You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2017. It's episode 290. My name is Rob. Jason is here too. We're back at it. Hello. Doing another show together. Um... Like we do every week. Yeah, we do every week. Uh, what happens? Yeah, it does. So we were going to talk about some stuff we've been playing lately. We were. Yeah. Why don't you go first and you're going to talk about a board game. Uh, yeah, well, I have actually several things I can talk about. Um, so uh, board game wise, um, we, when we had, we had family stuff around Thanksgiving, um, we had a good time playing a lot of stuff. My niece still is crazy for Unicorn Glitter Luck. Um but the new big hit we borrowed from you uh, was Animal Upon Animal. Awesome. That was fun. It's a really fun game. It's a good game. My yeah. kids didn't dig it, but... Uh, yeah. So. I'm sorry that your kids didn't dig it, because my niece was all about it. Good. Um, as as was the rest of my family. Everybody, it's... Uh, after the first game, everybody's like, you know what? Let me give that a try. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. It's it's one of those brilliantly simple games yeah. that yeah. is super fun. And just... It's... the. So tactile, right? And just yeah, yeah yep. let me do that. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, yeah, it was great. Animal upon animal. I I'd never played it before, but I, I know everybody said it's great, and it is great, as it turns out. It turns out it is. Yeah. Um other than that, um so I got a PlayStation VR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and it's pretty cool. I gotta say it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not going to say anything here that nobody that, that this, there's no news here because all these games that I played have been out for a while, right? It, with the exception of Sky, so Skyrim VR, we got bought the Skyrim VR bundle, and that is that's cool, man. It's cool. It's it's pretty janky. I mean, Skyrim is janky. All those Bethesda games are janky in certain ways, right? And this, it's they didn't do any bug fixing. You know, all the same Skyrim weirdness is all still in there. But then they add to it the fact that you are inside that world. Uh, and so there are weird things like when you you pop up a menu and the menu is half buried in a wall or something because it's in 3D space, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, but but it's just it's just amazing being immersed in that world. Right. It's really, really incredible. Um, places that I, I've played probably played through Skyrim twice entirely from beginning to end. Uh, and there, there are places and environments in that in that world, locations that I've been to dozens of times in the past, um, and then I feel like I'm seeing them again for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, just the scale of things and 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 understanding that sort of stuff is really fascinating, uh, and I'm I'm digging the crap out of it. Cool. Um, also played I uh, played a lot of Job Simulator, which is a great game. Job Simulator is super fun. Uh, I don't think you've played that. No. We've got to have you guys over sometimes so you can mess yeah, around with this. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, job Simulator is great. And, and it, it, I had one of those moments in playing Job Simulator yesterday uh, where I started to lean on a countertop that wasn't there. You know? Like, oh, like wow. I know. Like, I know that this is this thing is not there. But but I turn around and, and I just kind of, you know, and I was reaching for something and, I, and my balance was off. But I was like... You know what? It's fine. I'll just lean against this counter here to save my balance. And then, and then, as I was reaching out to lean on that counter, I was like, "Oh no, that doesn't exist." 
this is not a thing. This is not here. So you need to stop what you're doing. And I almost, I almost fell over. That's funny. I almost completely fell over. Um, it was hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, that is great. Um, been playing, um, res infinite is super cool. I don't know if you know res at all. I have no idea. No. Okay. Anybody out there who knows res, uh, you know that res is a great game and res in VR is very, very cool. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, I've been playing that, uh, until dawn rush of blood shooter, uh, uh, like, like carnival rail shooter thing, which is, which is fun and goofy. Um, I mean, it was free on PlayStation plus, otherwise I wouldn't have bought it. Right. Um, and, uh, and rec room is the other big one that I've been playing. Right. Rec room is super fun too. Um, anyway, PlayStation VR, it's cool. It's neat. It's, it's poor man's VR. I know that the, the, the picture quality is not gonna is not up to par with the vive for example and there are a few tracking issues here and there it's a lot cheaper though but it's a lot cheaper it is so much cheaper and it's and it's still it works right it works you know and it's and it's fun and it runs off your playstation which is super cool right also i should say i have a i have the regular ps4 i don't have ps4 pro i've heard a lot of people say you gotta have the pro you gotta have the pro if you're gonna do vr you know what it's fine maybe maybe some of the graphics would be a little bit better right but it looks fine to me I, I cool. Yeah, don't have a problem with it. I'm very happy with it. Awesome. So that's what I've been spending most of my free time doing. <laughs> so yeah. How about you? Uh well I bought a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, you did. Uh I love it. Uh other than having that crappy Will Smith song stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> like I just do. <laughs> Turn oh. it over and switch. Yeah, that's just stuck in my head all yeah, the time. Every time I think I want to play the Switch, that's what I hear. That's too bad. It is too bad. That's enough reason for um, me to never buy one. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, so I bought it, and then uh, I had some free Amazon points for mm-hmm. lots of money. So I bought, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't buy the Switch on there, uh, which I wanted to, but they were out of it. Uh-huh. So I went and bought it at uh, GameStop, uh, and then after that, I picked up. Uh, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Mario Kart Eight, Good. and Super Mario Odyssey. Sweet. Uh, so, oh, so you did manage to get Odyssey? Yeah, fi- I've been watching Good. every day. I've been checking yeah. uh, Amazon, and it finally popped back in, and Good. I bought it because I'd rather have the cartridges. I don't have a lot of space. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting. Uh, I'm gonna get a for Christmas actually. I somebody was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Here's a link to this sweet case that I could use. Oh yeah, uh, that fits like 20 games and stuff. So it'd be fine. Good. Um. But I've been really happy with with it. Um, Breath of the Wild is super duper fun, mm-hmm. um, like really fun. Um, it's just so huge. The, the biggest problem I've run into is that like I've, um, it's open world, and I like to just keep going. Like yeah. I just am like, so like I'm at I'm at like the elephant. Like well, so here's this is a great. So I okay. went to this place. And you're trying to get your memories back because Link has like been asleep for a hundred years. This is not a spoiler, but he's yeah. been asleep for a hundred years, as uh, he does. And you've got like a bunch of memories you have to get back, right? Uh, the first memory I got back was memory number ten, hmm. and I was like, I've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the game is fantastic. There's one thing that I absolutely hate about the game, uh-huh. and if you don't hate this about the game, call and tell me why you don't. Seven seven hotel BGG. Yeah, you're wrong. Building game podcast at gmail.com. But I would love to hear you try and explain to me why why I'm wrong. Okay. The damage system with the stupid, stupid weapons. Oh yeah. It's like, like just give me a master sword and like how about it just works, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think at some point in the game you do get the Master Sword and it will never break. That'd be freaking great. But it's also not the most powerful weapon in the game is my understanding. Okay, so basically you have... Because that's the problem. I actually was in the elephant like solving the puzzles and some of the puzzles required you like hit things Uh and my freaking weapons all broke and I had to leave. Uh Like, How dumb is that? Hmm. Right? I mean, that's dumb, right? Like, well, I haven't played the game, right? So I don't know. I don't know how other systems balance that out or balance with that or I I don't know. I don't know. I've heard a lot of people complain about that. Yeah. yeah. There's a cool cooking system in it um, that you cannot fail at. You can make what they call dubious food uh-huh. and it shows the food, but it's like pixelated. Yeah, so you can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about 50% of the food I make is, is dubious, dubious food, but it still works. You can still eat it. It doesn't do anything special, but it does give you hearts back. Mm. They have this thing where whenever you complete four dungeons and there's like 120 dungeons or some crap in the game, mm-hmm. I'm through like 10 of them, I think right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they're just random. They're just all around. They're called shrines. Um, yeah. Every four spirit orbs you get, every sh- so every fourth shrine you complete, you get to either get more stamina mm-hmm. or more uh, hearts. And I was like, oh, it's going to be hearts all the way. And then I read a thing and the guy's like, no, d- just do stamina. Like, because mm-hmm. if you could always like run away from people like or yeah. eat, you pause the game and eat food. You cannot pause the game and get stamina back. Sure. And stamina is kind of limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not annoying. I've only fallen to my death a couple times and it was mostly my fault. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but I did up my stamina once now, and it's changed how the game works. Yeah. Um. So the game is really cool. I, I mean, I know tons of people who listen to the show have already played it, but it, it's a lot of fun. Um. And then uh, Mario Kart Eight, I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. I mean, yeah. it is. They figured out all the stuff that's good about Mario Kart, and good. then they put it in there, and then they added new stuff. It, it makes it even better. Great. Um. They have like six different types of battle mode you can play. Oh, cool. Um. Everything from normal to this thing called Shrine Chasers, which is pretty sweet, hmm. where you're like running around uh, trying to hold this uh, shrine for 20 seconds before someone steals it from you. And it's cumulative, right? So like if you can hold it for 15 seconds, next time you only need to get five more, right? Oh, okay. Um, which is great. Yeah. Because um, otherwise the game would never end, right? Because right, right. it's hard to keep it for 20 seconds. But uh, uh, Josiah and I had a great time playing that because like yeah. it's like he's calling, it's like it's over there, it's over there. And like I'm trying to get to it, you know, and uh, yeah. cool. that was a lot of fun. That cool. was the only one we were good at. I lost battle mode every time, but yeah. the shrine one, we kicked butt at that. Nice. So uh, right on. So anyways, yeah, the, uh, just got Mario Odyssey in the mail today. Okay. Uh, I'm forcing myself to not play it for a few days because <laughs> I fear that once I put that in, I will stop playing Zelda uh-huh. um, because yeah, uh, because I'm a sucker for a good Mario game. And sure. I've heard this is the best Mario game. So, all all yeah. reviews that I've had are, have been just glowing. Yeah. 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 So that it understands what's cool about Mario and it, and it really does that yeah. well. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So anyways, uh, yeah, that's my stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I should say we also played Imagine um, with oh, yeah, the family, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that and and my my niece uh, again, who was uh, she's four and a half. Um, even she she was able to to get that. She understood that, right? She wasn't good at, at making uh, right. making examples for people, Fair but enough. Um, she kind of she kind of worked as a team with with Christine, and so the two of them together would kind of talk about whisper to each other about what cards to use and what shapes cool. to use. And, and, and it worked and she, she really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, I don't know what the age recommendations are on that box, but ima- but at any rate, imagine continued to be a big hit with family. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, even my brother, who's not really interested in games had fun with that and with animal upon animal. Um, so yeah, 
Excellent. Highly recommended there. Awesome. Uh, we need a topic for today. Yeah. So we said last time we were going to talk about a little bit about that other topic. Oh, yeah. You wanted me to read um, that. So why don't you read that and okay. then we'll talk about that. And then somebody else sent another question that I think we could we could talk about for just a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Just kind of make it a dual topic. You betcha. So this is from Nick Shaw. Uh, and this was sent to us on Discord. On our Discord, which you can find uh, instructions on our website, buildingdeadpodcast.com, yep. on how to connect with that. On the Discord tab. Yep. Uh, Nick says, uh, I'll just read it straight up. Had this query for a while and thought it might be an interesting show topic. And it's related to a question I posed a little while ago about how to tell if you've invented a new game mechanic. The query is, when does a mechanic grow to become something different? The examples that prompted this questions are the game, uh, it's something in German, I'm not going to be able to say it, uh, Plums in the US, is what he says, and Honshu. They are both categorized as trick-taking games. Honshu, in fact, calls itself a trick-taking game in the rules. Players each play a card to the trick each round, for sure, but no player wins the trick. There's a winner for the round, but they don't scoop up the trick. They just get first choice. They just get first dibs on selecting one of the played cards, <laughs> and all other players get to select a card from those played in order. I would define that as a turn order bidding and then drafting, not trick-taking. Can it still be defined as trick-taking if no one takes the trick? <clears throat> and so, is this an evolution of trick-taking, which could now be called trick-playing instead, uh, instead of which trick-taking is a subcategory? The same query applies to games in which you have contracts or orders to fulfill. A lot of these are pick-up and deliver games, but the definition of that mechanic implies a map element for moving the goods around. There are games that have no map, but still have contracts or orders to fill. For example, The Builders Middle Ages, and, uh, Middle Ages and Antiquity, Grand Austria Hotel, Voyages of Marco Polo, where the map doesn't play a direct part in the contract fulfillment process. So is this pick-up and delivery actually a subtype of contract fulfillment? An example of how this may have already happened is deck builders. BGG now defines deck slash pool building games after games like Orleans introduced the notion of bag building. So deck building is really a subset of pool building. So do mechanisms and their descriptions or definitions develop over time and eventually become something new? Or are mechanisms created in small subcategories until you find a common link, then combine them all into a supergroup? Uh, and uh, Neil actually replied and, and says, I think to add to that, it's interesting how much of game design accidentally creates these sub or supergroups simply because a designer likes a mechanic, but when they add it to their design, it needs to be modified slightly to fit in with their design. So I, I think those are excellent questions and excellent observations. Uh, and I also feel like I'm not smart enough to really add anything to that conversation. Right. Yeah, um, no, I struggle with that as well. That's very good observation. It is. Um, I would love to hear more thoughts about that, either via email, mm -hmm. on the Discord, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I Neil's point at the end is especially makes sense, right? The idea that yeah. the reason this happens is because the designer says, "I like trick taking," and then designs a game that's not quite trick taking, mm -hmm. but they feel like it is. <laughs> yeah, it's that. It's yeah. It's it's just saying that. I think we all have to understand that that. Sometimes we assign labels to things or put things in boxes when we know they don't necessarily fit in those things. And and labels and and simple descriptors are helpful 
to get people into something, right? Right. So in, in that case, trick taking, it's it's a simple, it's it's an easy access point, right? Um, and that's something that I've actually talked about with, with uh, Tucker from Card Lords when talking about um, uh, uh, eight arms to hold you. Uh, is is some you know how do we how do we introduce this to people? And 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 we we could say, hey, this is a trick taking game, but he wants to be able to market it to people who don't necessarily know what trick taking is. And so he's he right. wants to say this is. Well, I don't want to say it's trick taking. I, I want to say it's like hearts. You know, uh, but but uh, and I I say that to say that simple nomenclature, familiar nomenclature, familiar labels are important for for such things. So so, um, there there's an angle on that which is which is get people a, an entry point that they're going to understand and that they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and then then after they're in there, that's when you start explaining the actual function or the the actions that you're taking within the game. Um, but I'm not dismissing Nick and Neil's points. There, oh, course, no, no, right? not at all. No, yeah. no, their points are very good and right. valid. I, yeah. So, I, so those are really the only thoughts that I have about that question. And, and cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I'm curious about other builders. What do you guys have to say? We're happy to read some, uh, some emails uh, or play some voicemails. If you guys have more thoughts on that in the future. Absolutely. We would love to facilitate that conversation. All right. I have a question for us oh. from Winsmith Games. They say, uh, "How do you? Uh, how about you discuss uh, your all's process for coming up with your game pitches for the podcast?" And I chuckled because this guy obviously doesn't know what our process is. Uh, otherwise, he might not ask. But uh, I appreciate the question, and I feel like we can give the question a pretty decent answer here, um, which is to say, uh, mostly uh, we well so. It happens in a variety of ways. Let's let's yeah, be honest, right? right? Um, sometimes it is completely on the fly um, because we aren't prepared or didn't have time to prepare, and that's just part of the reality of of doing a podcast regularly. Is being that, adults with other things going yeah, on. In our we lives. don't always have time, and yeah. that's okay. Like we enjoy the spontan the spontaneity of the uh, mm-hmm. of those pitches, um, but then other times there. Sometimes I've prototyped a game before I've uh, written the rules, right? And I know yeah. a lot of this stuff is the same for you. Other times it's it's five lines of notes that we work into a game together, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes we're refactoring games that we've already made, right? Like Treasure Shovel last week, for instance. Right. Or, right. I mean, I've pitched... There are multiple games I've pitched multiple times on the show, and and Rob likes to give me a hard time about that, and I know some builders might, might not like that, but too bad, because that's part of my process, right? Um so that kind of in a nutshell, does that sum it up? Do you have anything to yeah, add to I, that? Yeah, no, yeah, there's there's not any one this is how I always do this, or this is how we always do this, right? Yeah, it's 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 um it's chaotic and and confusing and inconsistent. And that's kinda how the creative process has worked for, for both of us. Uh and and in equally different chaotic ways. The only the only thing Diff or the only thing the same in which in in the ways that we approach things is these things is um, that we we have to always have something ready by Tuesday night. <laughs> right, it's kind of the sure. only the only common ground there that we find. Right, and there are sometimes where we find that we're two three weeks ahead. Right, like, yeah, right. I'll be yeah. like, I got three pitches just hanging out, you yeah. know, and you're like, oh, I hate you. Yeah, because usually that is not you. Usually not, no, uh-uh. That doesn't happen to me very often, but it happens to me more than it happens to you. Yeah. I think, though, you do tend to, you tend to get excited about something. Yes. Yeah, and... And, and um, Rob doesn't get excited about stuff, so... Yeah, so if you if you have an idea that excites you, you'll just go whole hog on it 
for a week or two, yeah, right? Yeah. And you maybe even do that where you make an entire prototype before I even know that you're working on right, this thing, right? Right. Whereas I, if I get excited about an idea, I'll probably I'll probably think about it for a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months. Right before I talk about it on the show and yep. get so and and even then I'll, it could be another month before I actually turn it into a prototype. Right, because well, yeah, because I spend a lot of time thinking through how things are going to interact, and and frankly, that leads to me just ending up dismissing a lot of ideas um, that maybe I shouldn't. No, because you could pitch them on the show. Rob. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, you never know when a crappy idea you have, like, or you yeah. feel is crappy on a pitch can actually turn into with conversation can actually turn into something decent. Sure. Right. So just write, start jotting those ideas down and then, you know, I mean, I do, I Google, Google docs, man. Well, for for instance, the game I'm going to pitch tonight in six hours went from a silly idea in my head to a game with written rules and diagrams explaining Uh how the game is played. Yeah. Uh, Whether or not I'll ever prototype the game, I don't know, but it was uh, a challenge Uh and I thought it was funny. And so I did it and, yeah, and I actually turned out with what sounds to me like a game that could actually be fun. Okay, so we'll cool. see. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give a quick example. Like, so, so last weekend uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. So for builders, it's been several weeks now. But uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, I was I was just kind of sitting around and and for whatever reason thinking about roll and move, and I was thinking, gosh, what if what if you play it in multiple rounds, and uh, instead of spaces on a board, you lay down cards in a circle and then you roll the die and you move your piece uh however many spaces that die tells you to and then you put your piece there and whatever piece your thing lands on that's a card that you can pick up and you look at at the face of it and now you can do something with that card oh interesting and and i don't i so right so then i've been i've just been kind of tossing that around in my head for a week and a half now right and i don't know what to do with that right and right now just just that on basic level is that's no different from shuffling in a random deal right now so right. so how does that become something that's actually meaningful and then right. i don't know yet right i don't know yet so this this is this this is kind of my my process right, right? where i yeah try and think about these things right. for weeks and so i do both like um for instance it's funny you said that and it clicked that I remember now that I had an idea that I've been that Josiah said something about something completely random but the game mm-hmm. he was working on and it clicked like interesting and the, basically the best way to sum up the game is like the idea of what popped into my head was uh, a, a push a pressure luck game that's like a game of chicken so like instead of me rolling dice and zombie dice where I'm playing against myself or uh, dragon slayers another great example mm-hmm. I, I like that one better um, what if you had a deck of cards? Everybody had a deck of cards. They had the same, I have the same deck, you have the same deck. Yeah. And we are revealing cards doing something, but some of the cards will bust us. And it's determining who's going to stop and when, and you're going, you're head to head, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so there's, eventually I'm hoping to pitch a game about that, right? Because that sure. intrigues me, like, whoa, like, it, it's this, but it's something different, you know? And so those type of things where I can't quite form them, I'll just keep thinking about until finally mm-hmm. I'm like, I need a pitch. I'm going to figure this out and then I'll just figure it out, right? Sure. Or I won't and it'll be a terrible pitch. That happens too, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that is that is probably the most in-depth discussion we've ever had about how we p- come up with pitch games on the yeah, show. Like, probably. We've talked about it offline, but on the show, really, that's probably the most we've talked about it. So, yeah. I have a couple other emails here. Yeah, go this for it. Might as well go through all these. So yeah. this is from Glenn. He's a new listener, but he has sent like three emails since started listening. So I all like right, this guy. Glenn, yeah. I like you. All right, Glenn. Good job. Uh, and this one's for you. It's titled Barrow Quest. It says Rob, I was thinking about your Barrow Quest pitch. 
And yes, I like the two names mashed together because <laughs> he knows <laughs> it was Barrow. Um, but then you refer to his quest uh, in the title of the show. Yeah. Uh, it does not feel like it should be a victory point soup game uh, with different levels of quests. And especially if the hero becomes more of a player avatar than a pawn, it feels like thematically the win condition should be completing the highest level quest. Uh, other associated ideas. Motivation. Lots of ideas uh, play with players are knights or royal heirs on the challenge to earn more, uh, earn the throne or position of king's champion or tribes proving themselves worthy of uniting and ruling the land, a la King of Dragon, uh, King of Dragon, a pass. Maybe I'd say King of Dragon Pass. Uh, instead of building a city, perhaps you are building alliances or trade routes. Uh, with existing cities and recruiting the city or tribe to to your cause, I hope you enjoy your own quest of identifying the good game that lives within the idea of your this idea of yours. Regards, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Um, I had gotten an email from uh, I think it was Andrew. I think it was Andrew. So if uh, anyway, we've been known to get emails from Andrew. Yeah, uh, who had a suggestion about um um because I was worried and I'm still not sure what to do with this about uh, the tile placement concern about making tile placement meaningful through um, right. an even more meaningful late game. Uh, and he had, he had um, uh, made a suggestion about um, building cities on specific terrain to gain specific bonuses. Yes. Um, I think I remember you talking about that. I don't remember if I, yeah, maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, so I still, I'm still not sure where, where to end up with that. Um, but yeah, so, so I, so thank you for your comments, Glenn. I'll say that, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not working on Barrow actively right now because as we talked about last week, I need to focus on getting some updates for treasure trouble put together. Right. Uh, But Barrow is definitely still uh, on my list and I'm looking at that box on my shelf at home every day, uh, with the prototype in it. Um, and I, I do, I'm, I, I am committed to pushing Barrow forward uh, probably in 2018. Um, yeah. At any rate, move on. Cool. Any other emails? One more. Okay. Uh, so this one is from Jason Martin. Um, uh, Jason uh, titled his email. Uh, Jason emailed us before. Uh, he had that email about uh, the Tom Vassell friendly local game store yeah. uh, thing. Uh, and he was very passionate about it. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but when I saw a follow-up about Tom Vassell and FLGS, I actually thought this email might be a little rough because uh, we were a little rough on that show uh, talking about it. You were. Uh, I was. Hey, I was being honest. Uh, but this is, this Jason is a stand-up guy because his name is Jason. So he said, <laughs> thanks guys for spending so much time discussing my email about Tom and his FLGS criticism. It sounds like you were, were essentially on the same page. Tom's style fits well with my personality, but I can see how he might be off-putting, especially in how he talks about issues like that. Uh, So I can see your point. Thanks for the great discussion, Jason. Um, Yeah, you're right. Uh, He is very off-putting to me, uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, But I'm also okay that he's not off-putting to you or other people. Um, because you know, Hey, uh, there are plenty of people I bet I find, uh, great that you find off-putting probably like Rob. So, um, I think Rob's great, but you know, some people find Rob off-putting. Some people find me off-putting. I don't really care. Um, yeah. Sometimes I deliberately put people off. Uh, I've, I've been known to do that too. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you need to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
So are you going to pitch a game now? I'm going to pitch a game. All right. I got a game. I'm going to pitch it. This is the part where Rob edits because I am opening up Google Drive, Google Drive, Google Drive. And then I just remembered it's not in Google Drive. Well, crap. Oh, it is. It is in Google Drive. I don't know why I'm singing. I don't think I'm going to cut any of this because it's pure gold. <laughs> I think it's pure gold. Right, it's me when I'm doing. So this comes with a little story as to how this game came up. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, on, on the Facebook, Rob's favorite place to hang out. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely friend, friend uh-huh. Rob Couch on Facebook. Yep. If you can find him on there, I say friend him. It's not Rob, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Some other Rob um, Couch out there. Good luck. Uh, so anyways. I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah, he must be, yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, John Gilmore and, uh, and Travis Magrum, uh, have a game coming out with Druid City Games. They just announced called Verbosity. Mm. I'm very excited about Verbosity because it's, uh, it's a city building game, uh, which, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, but it's, it's also a word game. So you, you're playing words, you're making words, and then I believe keeping some of those tiles. I've never actually played it. I've heard John talk about it. Keeping some of those tiles, uh, to build a city with, which is very intriguing to me. Like it's two things I really like words and cities, right? Yeah. Well, jokingly, I I, uh, I said to, to John on there in the post, uh, I said, uh, hey, dude, I thought we agreed that uh, you were going to be the zombie guy and I was going to be the city guy, city building guy. And he replied back and said, we did, but we never agreed who the word guy was going to be. And I was like, oh, loopholes. And then Travis replied and said, well, good job, John, because now I guess there's not nothing stopping Jason from designing a uh, words game about zombies. Uh, and that, that was funny to me. And, uh, so I joked with them back and forth about it a little bit more, but, but it was, it was funny to me. And, and there was like, I thought, I think I could make, I think I could make a Scrabble zombie okay. game that might actually be fun. Kind of like Typing of the Dead. Did you ever play Typing of the Dead? No. Oh, dude, that is an amazing game. But you're typing, like trying yeah, to type fast it, enough it, to... Right, to fight off all the zombies that are attacking you. Oh, I you see. You should check out Typing of the Dead. It's cool. great. That sounds cool. Anyway. Uh, so so anyways, this is not like that. So um, <laughs> okay. this is... Uh, um, so the game is called Words with Zombies. Uh, kind of a play on Words with Friends. Oh, I didn't get that. That's clever. Just to be it's, clear. It helps that you explained it. Thanks. The best jokes are the ones you have to explain. Um, can you use your mad spelling skills to destroy oodles and oodles of zombies to defend your house? Let's hope so. Let's hope so because it's literally your only chance of survival. So the components here, and I actually wrote the rules for this and made diagrams and stuff, uh, which I won't show wow. you, but I'll show Rob as I explain it. Components are a hundred tiles. That is the standard Scrabble distribution and points. Oh, really? So you can just play with standard Scrabble set? No, no. But that's how it starts. Never mind. Uh, four player tableaus that are set up to look like a house and a yard. And one tile bag. Uh, setup. Give each player. Uh, so you give each player a tableau. That's their house. And they draw seven tiles. Right? Uh, the player who most recently killed a zombie with a board game component goes first. Because um, that's sounded easy to me. It's nonsense. Um, I know, right? So on your turn. Uh, so I'm just actually going to read through read yeah, like the rules. Because I feel like it's more concise than I'm going to say it. On their turn, the player may make a word out of their tiles. If they're not able to make a word out of the tiles or simply wish to get new tiles, they may throw any number of their tiles back in the bag and redraw the, as many t- that many tiles. Uh, if they do this, they may not make a word, but must continue with the rest of their turn. Um, if the player did make a word, uh, they score points based on the tiles. Now, there are n- there's no board, so you just lay the tiles right out in front of you. Okay? Oh, so like um, uh, bananagrams in that way. Yes, yes, that's a great point. Uh, then they may take any items or zombie tiles and place them on their tableau accordingly. So every tile is either an item 
or zombies. Does that make sense? Uh, and so what you're going to see in the top left-hand corner, and it'll be a, a Z, we'll say, for zombies, right? Z, bottom corner, it's going to say 10, because that's how many points it's worth. Uh-huh. Top left corner, it's going to have, say, uh, the Z, say say it has 4Z, which means four zombies, or it would be four in an icon in the real game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the back of that tile, what you're going to have is on one side, it's going to say four zombies. On the, other, on the next side, it's going to say three, two, and then one. When you place the tile... On your tableau, which is gonna you're gonna you've got your yard, which is twelve slots, uh, no sixteen, no twelve slots, yeah, and then you've got your house, which has four slots in it. So in the yard, you're gonna put starting filling from the left, but always in the outer row, you're gonna put any zombie tiles that came out of the words you used. So the, here's how the zombie tiles show up: uh, every uh, vowel has zombies on. In fact, every zo- most vowels have four zombies on them, right? Okay. Um, you put it with the four zombies facing your house, okay? So so, so you're going to draw tiles and then you're going to spell a word first and now you're dealing with so zombies? You, you've got tiles, right? right? You start the round with seven tiles. Okay. You're going to spell, assuming you spell a word. Right. Th- this is still the word part. You've spelled a word. Okay. Now you take everything from the word you spelled. Yeah. Um, there's going to be either items or zombies. Zombies you're going to place in your yard as far out from your house as possible. Okay. Starting filling in from the left, right? So there's four slots and three rows in, of each one. So there's okay. 12 slots total. Does All that right. make sense? Yeah. So there's boom, boom, boom. In fact, that's what your yard looks like, just for your own sake of sure. explaining. It's four by three. Okay. Four by three. Okay. And, then, and then, so the actual tile itself, or are there like right. separate zombie the, tokens? No. The okay. back of the tile the is the how tile. you put it. See, see how it looks yep. on there? Yeah. Um, that doesn't, you're going to have to put these. I can do that. I can on, put the diagrams the on there for a second. Yeah. 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 So, um, so if, if the player makes a word, they do that, right? They uh-huh. can take any items they have and place them within their house. You only have slots for four items in your house, right? Okay. And I'll get to the items in a minute. Um, so item tiles are placed in the house uh, and the four slots. Zombie tiles are placed in the outermost row of your tableau on your yard. Now you may use any item tiles that you have uh, in your item slots uh, however you like, which a lot of those kill zombies, or do other things, right? Okay. I mean, most of them kill zombies. Um, after this is completed, all remaining zombies on your tableau... You should just so, call them zombies from now zombies. on. <laughs> all remaining zombie tiles on your uh, tableau move forward one row closer to your house, if possible. Uh, if any zombies are in the first row touching your player's house, they instead attack. And each zombie, not each tile, each zombie gives you a minus one point to your score, right? Okay. Uh, when you're done with that, play passes to the left. Um, so that's 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 a standard turn, right? So the items. So how, how do items work, right? Um, well, the items are... Uh, what items do we have here? Uh, there are some standard items, uh, which uh, on, mo- on the letters, which are just bullets, right? Um, so I guess I should explain how the, that works and how the zombies work, right? So the bullets, some of them have three bullets on them. So what you do is you're going to face those so you can read them, Right. And every time I use a bullet, I'm going to turn the tile 90 degrees. So now I have one less bullet, right? Until it's empty, and then I throw it away. Okay. Same with the zombies. Four zombies facing me. I shoot that tile once. It's going to crank 90 degrees. Now it's down to three zombies. Okay? When all the zombies are gone, a tile is, is destroyed. Okay? There are also some special tiles, which are letter tiles. I mean, they're just letter tiles, but they're the, they're the hard-to-use letters, right? Like the Zs and the Xs and stuff. Um, so a J, 
lets you have eight letters instead of seven. So it's a truck. Basically, as long as that's in a slot in your house, you draw up to eight letters. You can choose to discard that at any time, but it's taken up a slot, but it is giving you an extra letter uh, because really in the end, points are what win you the game. You want to have mm-hmm. the most points. Um, the uh, A barricade blocks four damage and then runs out. So basically, you put it in the area till it's out. Um, a chainsaw lets you kill five zombies in the front row on one turn. Uh, and how do you order in any way you want? And then you pitch it. Uh, and then my favorite is the baseball bat. Uh, the baseball bat lets you kill one zombie every turn in your front row for free. Mm. And it never goes away. Um, oh, and then the, uh, the K that's them. I mean, that was the Z. The X is, uh, destroy all zombies on two adjacent tiles and then throw it away. So basically destroy two tiles that are adjacent to each other, and then you throw the tile away. Uh, and the whole point of the game is to uh, score Scrabble points, and at the end of the game, have the most Scrabble points uh, after you know taking damage from zombies. Um, so the trick is when you're making the words, you got to use vowels, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're trying to use vowels as strategically as possible um, because you don't want to just make words with lots of vowels um, because you zombies know, are attack. yeah, the zombies are going to be. So, so there are some uh, letter tiles that are just letter tiles, and they're nothing special, though. Every letter tile has something on it. Okay. Je- most letter tiles have bullets or zombies. Got it. And then there's but special like, tiles. Just a couple of zombies. Yeah, but the, the really bad ones are the are the vowels. The vowels. Yeah, okay. and like A, E, and O, I think are the ones that are really bad. Um, I and uh, U are like three zombies, not four. So okay. Okay. <clears throat> so anyways um yeah that's i there's so i yeah i don't know uh how well i mean the game would would play i don't sure. know if it would be fun or not like i mean it's a game like yeah. i feel confident that you could play it sure um, yeah so what it doesn't have that that might upset some scrabble people uh is the is the adding on to words and things right yeah yeah I don't really care about. I that. don't care about that either. Yeah. That for me so. is the hardest part and the most the most frustrating part of Scrabble. Right. Right. No, the strategy here is I want to score the most points with one word. <clears throat> yeah. By and also be destroying the most zombies. Um, right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that sounds yeah. neat. Um, yeah, that sounds neat. So, anyways, it was a fun little thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I the re- part of you know as I started working, I said, "Will I ever do anything with this? Probably not." But I can pitch the game, so I'm going to do yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. So that's what I got. Okay, cool. How are we doing on time here? I think we're pretty good here. Yeah, all right. Okay. Well, then that'll that'll do us for tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it, as we always do. We really do genuinely appreciate it, though. Thank you so much for uh for listening to the show um okay contact uh you can send us an email to building the game podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at podcast btg jason is at ja slingerlin i'm at poorly underscore design you can like us in places and give us reviews uh on itunes and other uh podcast locations uh call our google voice number at 770 tell btg our website is building the game podcast.com follow links uh, instructions on there to join our discord if you want to talk with us on there i try and check it uh try and check it every day but i don't always make it every day yeah the the one thing i don't like about discord is the notifications are wonky sometimes they work sometimes they don't right yeah so i don't know anyway uh you can uh uh buy our games uh you can go to 
grandgamersguild.com and get a copy of Unreal Estate. You can uh, find um, you can find uh, you can find uh, uh, so that's what it is, Saloon Tycoon on Amazon. I don't. It's uh, uh, it's probably going to be. I don't know what the price is. Look it up on Amazon. Yeah, look it's, it up. <laughs> go to the Game Crafter. You can get Treasure Trouble and the Rumpelbum Academy for bug-based baking and finish it. The outrageous storytelling party game. Thank you to everybody who supported uh, Epic Monster Tea Party on Kickstarter. I really, really appreciate that so much. Um, and uh, that'll do us for tonight. So thank you, everybody, one more time. And good night. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. I also found a a, a YouTube channel, two YouTube channels recently. Uh, One uh, by a guy who restores vintage Hot Wheels cars. Wow. Um, And it's... It's highly specific. It is, right? It's just kind of like it's kind of oddly soothing um, to just watch this guy's process. Uh-huh. And, and but the better one, it's called um, it's called Toy Poloi. Toy Poloi. P O L L O I. Like Hoy Poloi. Yeah, but Toy Poloi. And um, he takes vintage toys. He spends a lot of time with vintage Star Wars toys, but also like a lot of He Man toys and things. Okay. And and does re- restoration and repairs to vintage toys. Uh, and it's another one that's just like super, super um, meditative and calming and just uh-huh. just really weirdly compelling in ways that I kind of don't understand. But I, I kind of really like it. <laughs> that's cool. So I'm going down a pretty deep, dark hole right now watching people restore old toys. Uh, and the guy at the Hot Wheels are like, yeah, I went to the local Hot Wheels show that we have. It's, uh, oh, you know, it's a one, it's every month. And uh, I think he's British, and I can't do his accent. But uh, uh, and or maybe no, the Toy Polo guy is British. I think the, the Hot Wheels guy is American. And uh, I picked this one up here. This is a this is a vintage nineteen fifty whatever uh, Plymouth something or other and. Uh, I picked this up uh, for a dollar. Um, you know, I bet that guy thought he was getting a real, real good deal off of me. But I think, I think you're all going to be impressed once I finish, once I finish the restoration on this. Let's take it apart here and let's see how how it's manufactured. And and he's like comparing, like like real name brand Hot Wheels to like knockoff brand uh-huh. other other things, and talking about the, the casting of them and and the inconsistency in qualities and you can kind of tell by based on how the the die cast metal uh, looks on uh, what generation it was from the molds and oh, I can see here see this little defect here that's evidence that the mold had cracked and they were just going to keep on pushing through they should have replaced the molds at this point but uh, they they went in that's just indicative of the of the overall quality that you're going to get from from this brand just like whoa whoa it's a, it's a window into a world that I never knew was there Right uh, of collecting and yeah. and it was it's fascinating.